Welcome to the Choose Optimism podcast brought to you by Optimist International, a podcast to let you know of all the good things that might be happening right in your own backyard. This is a podcast to highlight the positive influences of Optimist Clubs right in your own community. So we we always like to start our podcast with a quote, and today is, an optimist understands that life can be a bumpy road, but at least it is leading somewhere. They learn from mistakes and failures and are not afraid to fail again. And it is my honor at this time to introduce our podcast guest, Mr. Dave Bruns, past international president, who was our one of our very first guests we had on the podcast. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Well, Shane, it's great to be back with you again. And today we were ta- we're going to talk about the World Oratorical and the history of it because we're really focusing on a lot of the projects and the stuff that Optimist International does for youth around the world. But we know that uh, I want to hear your Optimist story to ref- uh, refresh our mem- listeners' memories about how you became an Optimist and stuff like that. So what is your optimist story, Dave? Well, you, yeah, we, how many hours do we have? <laughs> uh, like, never enough hours in the day anymore, it feels like. <laughs> like our uh, president, Designate Tracy, uh, I am a optimist brat. Uh, I grew up in an optimist family. So my father, who was a veteran of World War II, shortly after World War II, returned to Kansas City and applied to be a member of the Kansas City, Kansas Noon Optimist Club. And back in those days, there was a waiting list, believe it or not. And he had to wait a couple of years before he could join the Optimist Club. But he joined uh, sometime uh, within a few years after uh, World War II. And then uh, when I came around in uh, 1959, our family was well embedded in optimism so I grew up playing Optimus sports, working at uh, Optimus Christmas tree lots. Uh, nothing is ever as cold as uh, a snowy Optimus Christmas tree lot. Uh, but the the thing that made the most uh, significant impact in my life, as you know, Shane, uh, is participating in the Optimus oratorical contest. And so as being a, I would say, would you say prodigy of Optimus, and that's pretty unique to have a waiting list to join a club. I wish we had that problem right now. <laughs> Um, what was one of the things that you're, when you were being involved with your dad, well, is that a fun, a fun memory for you being involved with Optimus projects with your dad? Oh yeah. Just excellent memories. My mother was a member and very active in the Optimus uh, program before women were admitted in 1987. So, uh, it was, it was so much fun. And, and I learned early on that optimists are family. And so I went to Optimus events as, as a child uh, sometimes I get to stand longer than others at the old timers breakfast, even though I'm a little younger than uh, some of the others, because I can count conventions I went to. Uh, I can remember 1976 going to the Optimist International Convention in Washington, D.C. and celebrating the bicentennial and going to the White House and the Capitol to visit. Uh, and I just have so many great memories playing Optimist sports uh, growing up. And uh, my first memories of the Optimist oratorical contest which was something I did not want to get involved in. My dad told me it would be good for me to get involved in. Uh, ended up, you know, as I look back now, I just have great memories. But uh, at the time, it wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do. I was more into uh, sports and other things at the time. And when you were on our first podcast, you talked about your book that you wrote during the centennial for our centennial year, which was 2018, 2019, the Optimist book, Bringing Out the Best, the first century of Optimist International, because we were founded in 1918, 
in Louisville, Kentucky. And was and in that history book must have been quite an experience to write that. It was. And, and you know, I had the unique opportunity that I knew, uh, either knew or knew of a lot of the uh, people that I, I was able to write about uh, because I had grown up in Optimus. So when we were going back and researching past presidents and things, the names already were familiar with me. I knew some of the stories. Of course, I had read of Dreams and Deeds, which is an excellent book that was written in 1966. Um, but I went. What I did is I went back and I actually went to the office in St. Louis, reviewed the minutes, original minutes from a, a lot of our meetings, uh, reviewed all the uh, significant optimist uh, magazines. And then uh, I used newspaper.com and I would go back and actually find uh, what was reported at the time. So it wasn't just relying on uh, faded memories, but uh, was relying upon contemporaneous documents that were prepared at the time. And and it was great for a couple reasons. One is you almost felt like you were living it. And our history is so rich and we should be so proud of it. And it makes you even more excited about the future and you really start seeing that optimism is needed uh, more now than ever before in our past. But the other thing it did was it allowed me to get acquainted with people uh, who had been kind of the heroes of Optimist International. In particular, uh, Ron Thompson, who was an international uh, president, uh, Don Arnwine, and some of the great leaders who I really got to know as I, I was able to interview them. They helped me. Uh, when I had questions about what had went on early in the organization, and it was just great for me to get to really know those people personally. And in your research, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about the World Oratorical. We've had a couple of podcasts on the Oratorical, you know, setting up a good um, Oratorical where there's a couple of clubs in Georgia that have 5,000 participants in their Oratorical, which... I told them it was like running a small Fortune 500 company. <laughs> and we've talked to a couple of people with Optimist International about the scholarship program for the oratorical. But tell us a little bit about the history of how the oratorical got started with being important to the Optimist organization. Well, you know, uh, this is our oldest signature program. It was started in 1928. And it, originally, it was only for junior Optimist members to participate in. And the first winner was the uh, son of... Uh, immigrants from Italy, and uh, he talked about how much junior optimism meant to him and how much the Optimist members had done for his community. And uh, he came from a very poor family and lived in a very poor community, and he ended up winning. Now, back in those days, you didn't get uh, good scholarships. Uh, his uh, What he won was a trophy, and he won a book of some type, and I'm not sure if I recall what book uh, was given to him. But that's what he won. But he remembered it his whole life. And it's exciting to follow sometimes some of these stories to the young people that we help out. So I, I made sure that I followed his story. Now, he's passed away now, but uh, he went and started uh, a uh, restaurant chain in Southern California called Carl's. And uh, for those in Southern California, uh, I think a lot of them uh, know about that chain that still exists today. And he always credited the Optimist Oratorical Contest for giving him that chance and that opportunity. And we've had so many people that have participated in the, the contest. And the ones that I'm probably most proud of are the ones that have participated at the club level and maybe never won a scholarship, but they were introduced to public speaking and learning how to communicate with adults, learning how to share their ideas with adults, 
uh, I think that so many uh, young people have benefited from this, whether they've won a scholarship or not. You know, that's one of the things I always tell people when they join our Optimist Club, because if you become a chair or something within the organization in your club, you have to give up and give reports. And, you know, no, public speaking is one of the biggest fears in our country. And I really feel that an Optimist Club gives you the the audi- a small audience to start with until you start growing that audience when you feel more comfortable. Obviously, our oratorical has changed quite a bit with hi- with the history. Tell us a little bit about how it got st- when it got started. You know, obviously, we didn't have as many Optimist Clubs as we do now, but ob- it, it started obviously in the United States, and then as it grew and grew and grew, we came into Ad Canada and so forth. Tell us a little bit about how that has grown within the organization when it started. Well, the the contest uh, has, although its its roots uh, certainly look a lot like the contest today, uh, the procedures and things have changed a lot. For example, I indicated that the junior optimists were the only ones who could participate originally. And junior optimists at that time were were boys. Because if you recall, uh, our original theme was the uh, friend of the delinquent boy. And then we went to friend of boy and then friend of uh, youth. And so at first, uh, it was just male junior optimist members. Then it was expanded uh, later in the 19. 19- 70s to include both boys and girls. And then when we started the uh, world championships, uh, we decided that uh, there was no reason to uh, distinguish between boys and girls for a contest like this. I recognize that certainly there are are people that argue about uh, other things that maybe you need to have uh, boys and girls uh, classified in different categories. But for a speech contest, you didn't need that. And and we've seen that uh, by the results. So the World uh, Oratorical uh, Championships and now and now our contests at the club and district levels as well are gender neutral. So everybody participates uh, together. So it's really kind of evolved over the years and it's, it's kept that same common core. Another way it's evolved is uh, for quite a while, it was only for students uh, 16 years old and under. But uh, I can't remember the year now off the top of my head. But uh, uh, probably 20 years ago or, or so, uh, we changed it and opened it up to all the way through high school or its equivalent around the world. And so uh, Optimism in Canada started in 1924. So I'm sure they were involved in the oratorical contest from the beginning. But uh, as we added other nations around the world, in particular uh, the nations of the uh, Caribbean, uh, they started to participate in the Optimist Oratorical Contest. And then when we added the World Championships, we intentionally not only used the regions that Optimist International has created, but we also were looking forward to the future and uh, included a global region where any student from around the world could participate in with the hope that Optimist International would expand to more nations and that we would have more contestants from actual Optimist clubs around the world. And this year, uh, I know uh, the Optimist in Nepal were very, very active in the uh, oratorical contest. And and that's great to see as, as it evolves, because my, my hope is at some point that each and every nation in the global region uh, we'll have representatives from Optimist Clubs and Junior Optimist Clubs. And that's, I think, the unique thing about Optimist International. We are truly an international organization, which I'm very proud to say that. Um, moving, when we were, you mentioned earlier when we were talking that the first contestant won a trophy and a book. In your research, did you find out how it kind of evolved into a scholarship program? I did. Uh, I can't recall all the details off the top of my head, but I, I remember generally that 
that first uh, some clubs started giving scholarships, you know, maybe a hundred dollars or whatever, and some still do. Uh, but then when we, uh, they started giving uh, district $2,500 scholarships. And then when we added both boys and girls contest district, uh, and it may not have been $2,500 at that point, it was probably about a thousand dollars with inflation uh, we've added over the years. But uh, when we added boys and girls contest, then the district winners of both the boys contest and the girls contest started receiving scholarships. And again, I think there were probably about a thousand dollars originally, and that was in the 1970s. And then uh, today it's, it's $2,500 at the district level. So probably it evolved into a scholarship program. Program, kind of in the mid 70s is what I'm understanding from that. Well, I think it it actually evolved for uh, when they started going to district contest, which was a little bit uh, originally it was kind of interesting because they were just so few uh, clubs and junior optimists. They actually had the contest at the international convention. So the first one was in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, where they gave the, just the trophy and the book. But I and again, that was in 1928. And so I'm thinking probably in the 50s, they started maybe giving scholarships at a district level. Because at some point, as optimism grew, they decided they needed to have more contests. You, you couldn't send everybody to, you know, now, as you said, just uh, in Georgia alone, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of contestants. You couldn't send them all to the international uh, competition. Uh, so they they divided it up into districts. Uh, and, and actually, that was part of my rationale for trying to see the contest explan- uh, expanded into a world championship is the fact that 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 is consistent with our roots as well, considering that the first junior optimist did go to the international convention to compete. And so now it's kind of fun. They all go to St. Louis and, and compete. But with the use of technology, uh, they have the opportunity to compete virtually as well. This program has evolved quite a bit over its history. And uh, I'm just, like I said, clubs from all over get to participate. What was one of the funnest things when you were researching this? You know, what was some interesting stuff that you found out that you would have never thought would have affected the world oratorical? Well, one of the most fun stories, and it, you know, I've I talk about it in the book, and that is that uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, who uh, those of us uh, with a little gray in our hair know as Doogie Howser, others younger than us would know uh, from the TV show How I Met Your Mother, uh, started and was, it's believed, was discovered at an optimist oratorical contest in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was so significant in his uh, life that he included it in his autobiography, and tells about that. And uh, since you shared a quote at the beginning, I'm going to share what he wrote in his autobiography. It's it's not real long, but I think it's it's fun, and it uh, it it shows us the importance of what we're doing. So Neil Patrick Harris wrote in his uh, autobiography that at the age of 13, you enter a contest by the Optimist Club, which is a huge international organization with a positive attitude when it comes to semi-filled glasses of liquid. Their assignment, deliver a speech on the subject of optimism. You and your mother, aka Optimom, conceive and write a speech together. At the competition, you deliver it with the masterly skill that you have gained by looking in the mirror for way too many hours. You win the district finals and its prize, a thousand dollars college scholarship. And so, uh, when he won that, so at his when he won, I think it was in the uh, 1980s, uh, as a 13 year old, he won the district for New Mexico West Texas. Uh, it looks like in 1986, 
and uh, he won a thousand dollar scholarship. But more importantly for him is it uh, prompted his career. I wonder if he was playing Doogie Hauser when he was pr- practicing for his uh, speech in the oratorical contest. He he may have been, and he obviously was very talented at a young age. I don't know if he was able to uh, practice surgery at that point, but uh, by the time he was 16, he was playing Doogie Hauser. So just three years later, he had his own television show. That's pretty remarkable. And there have been other people. Uh, one that I discovered, and he's actually written some uh, letters and things uh, for our world championships, and that is a former vice president. President Mike Pence uh, was a participant. Uh, you talked about Georgia. Uh, Julia Roberts, uh, actress, uh, participated in, uh, I believe it was in Foresight, Georgia, that she participated in the oratorical contest. And, and just so many people I've run into uh, have participated over the years. Behind me, you see a picture of uh, those of you uh, who, who are on the podcast won't, but Shane will see a picture of the Kansas Capitol. Uh, when I first uh, was nominated and was interviewed to uh, to be a judge, the uh, governor at the time of Kansas, they sent three names up and he interviewed each one. And the governor of the state of Kansas was a gentleman by the name of Bill Graves. And he found out that I had just been a the governor of uh, the Kansas District of Optimist International. And he said, you know what? Uh, I was a Kansas District oratorical champion when I was uh, young and I said, well, you know, I love the oratorical contest. And, and I, you know, I don't think I'd like to think that wasn't the only qualification I had, but it sure didn't hurt <laughs> when you're interviewing with a governor who he's there talking about his memories of uh, the optimist oratorical contest and the things that we could have in common. It just goes to show you optimists can tie a lot of things together for people in this world. And I think people don't realize how interconnected that stuff is in their communities. Well, that's right. I mean, I think that. We need to do that. And that's why it's important. And I'm glad you asked me at at the beginning of the podcast to share my optimist story. I think we all need to share optimist stories. And they don't have to necessarily be lengthy stories. But, you know, you think about it, we don't get paid to do this. But we, we benefit for so much greater by the opportunity to, you know, see that smile on the face of a child, or, or even better, sometimes is to see that, that, parent or grandparent wiping away a tear from their eye when they're so proud of their child competing in an optimist uh, scholarship contest, uh, competing in optimist sport, whatever they're doing where we're helping children. Uh, my club hands out, hands out uh, dictionaries. And it's just great always when you hand out these dictionaries in, in English and in Spanish and just to see the smiles on the faces of those uh, children. So I, I encourage everybody, you know, share your optimist story. It doesn't have to be a, a, a set elevator speech. I think it's more important to speak from the heart than it is to have some type of uh, pre-programmed uh, spiel that you get. And also when you were talking about, you know, being involved in this stuff, optimists have a lot of fun. I always tell people that if you join our club, we're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to make you a better person. And it just makes the Optimist Club that much more important when you, people are enjoying themselves and having all this fun watching, like you said, kids speak in the oratorical contest. And it, optimism has a lot of benefits to it. Well, uh, that reminds me of, uh, I'm getting old now, and it reminds me of back when I was governor. But when I was governor <laughs> of the Kansas District, my, my official team was commitment to youth and commitment to growth. But we had an unofficial theme that year that was, Everything we do needs to be fun and worthwhile. And, you know, there's other things we can do that are worthwhile. There's other things we could do that's fun. 
But when you tie those two things together in optimism, that's what makes it great. And so to me, uh, that's one of the things that I would encourage optimist clubs and districts uh, and Optimist International to do is to make sure that we make it fun for people who participate, because we already know it's worthwhile when we talk about these type of programs. But let's make sure it's fun, too. And you know, speaking of fun, obviously, as the oratorical has grown, the oratorical now is a huge, huge undertaking for Optimist International. In your research, when you when you were doing that, what kind of work went into go- making it is what it is today? Because, you know, we have different regions and contests and people get confused when we talk about that. But in your research, did you find what year the Optimist Oratorical really grew into kind of what it is now? Well, it, it's kind of difficult to find a year for that in, in the extent that it's evolved. But as far as getting to the world championship level, uh, that really started back in 2014. And it, it started in, in a kind of unique way. I was elected as Optimist International President. And we were re- getting ready to go to the convention in Las Vegas at Caesars. Some of you might remember that. And uh, before I, I was leaving, one of my colleagues on the Kansas Court of Appeals, Joe Perrin, who was a, a fellow judge, came in and congratulated me and uh, on being elected. He's a member of the uh, Lawrence, Kansas Optimist Club, Breakfast Optimist Club. And he said, you know, my wife, who is a, uh, a professor and in, in, is an expert in speech, I mean, literally a worldwide expert in speech, she and I would love to get involved in your world comp or your international competition. I said, Joe, there's one problem, and that is we don't have an international competition. We have the, and they had been involved in the club zone, and she had sent a lot of students over the years, the club zone and district level, but that sparked a little light bulb in my head is, you know, uh, I think it was Robert Kennedy said, you know, some people hear an idea and they ask why others hear an idea and they ask why not and i'm a why not kind of person so i start thinking why not so out in las vegas uh at the convention i start kind of spreading the word and at the board meeting that uh why don't we explore the possibility of expanding to regional uh, championships and then have a ultimate world championship so we started planning uh in 2014 and got very serious about it in 2015. Uh, Benny Ellerby, of course, was executive director at the at the time. He put a lot of time and effort into this. Dana Thomas put a lot of time and effort at the beginning. Connie Pellick uh, did that uh, as well. And we started kind of thinking, you know, how do we do this? So we thought, first, we need to get bring together a team. So the first thing we do did is uh, we made sure that we contacted the Optimist International Foundation, because they provide the, the bulk of the scholarships, the Canadian Children's Optimist uh, Foundation, because they provide the scholarships for the contestants uh, from Canada. And then we started looking at, you know, who could kind of be the director of this? And of course, the light bulb went out there, off there was the fact that Joe Perrin's wife, Diana Carlin Perrin, uh, was at the time a uh, in the administration, high up in the administration at St. Louis University, which is just down the street from Optimist International. And of course, as I said, she's she's a long time expert in speech and debate. She's been all over the world, uh, Afghanistan, Belarus, uh, countries all over the world to uh, teach parliamentary uh, debate. And uh, she's written a lot of books on the subject. So I approached her and said, would you be interested in being the director of this for us? And she volunteered to do that. And she said, 
I think I can arrange where St. Louis University will partner with us as well. So we had a meeting at St. Louis University, and it was interesting because of the optimists there, uh, and then the the representatives of St. Louis University that they call SLU is the nickname. So if I I throw SLU in there, everyone's well, that's St. Louis University. Uh, we went around the table and kind of told our stories, and they weren't necessarily our optimist stories, but just to get to know each other. And I believe there were eight representatives from St. Louis University, and of those eight. Every single one had either participated in the oratorical contest or another optimist program and or their children had participated in a optimist uh, program. And so, again, it just all came together. Here's this facility just, you know, a mile away from Optimist International Headquarters. And I was thinking part of the thing is, is I didn't want this to be a program that it was just some president thought of it. It was a one-year deal and you never hear of it again. And, and unfortunately, that's happened a few times over the year. So with some great ideas. So I proposed to the board that we hold it off and we start it the following year. It would have been the, during the year that Jim Kondrasik uh, was Optimist International President. But uh, God bless him, Benny Ellerby spoke up at the at the board meeting and says, said, you know, we everything's come together. Everybody's excited. Why don't we go ahead and do it? So in, uh, I believe it was in that year, it was in June of 2016, we held our first regionals and world championship at St. Louis University. So that's kind of where we got to where we are now. And as I indicated, we tried to look ahead. And so uh, one of the things we did is uh, we, we made it a gender neutral contest, caused a little concern with some of the districts, but they soon learned how to do that, where they could send whoever their overall winner was, or they could uh, send a, a backup candidate uh, if if the uh, overall winner was unavailable. But we have all the regions of Optimist International represented. And as I indicated before, we also have a global region. And usually we have between eight, uh, I think probably the most we've ever had, eight to 12 countries represented at the regionals and world championships. How crazy is it? It took 90, almost 90 years to evolve into a world championship. I just kind of did the math in my head, almost 90 years. That's amazing. And that's pretty recent for a world championship, you know, thing too, obviously, being being 2014, which was seven, you know, seven, eight years ago. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. Uh, and and he, he talks about, and he really wrote it first for businesses, but then he wrote one for the private sector with the same principle, which is don't complain about the things you can no longer do. Look at what you do well and become the best in the world at it. And that was kind of my premise. And I looked at the Optimist Junior Golf Tournament uh, as we were doing this. And, and I have to give a shout out to them because we we kind of modeled a little bit uh, the Optimist uh, uh, Junior uh, Tournament, golf tournament, uh, by the qualifiers in the district and whatever. But I, I looked at that and I said, you know, man, we're the best in the world when it comes to junior golf. There's nobody that's filled that niche. And I can tell you there are other service clubs, I won't name their names, that I've met with that would love to now take over both our junior golf tournament and our world championship oratorical contest. But, you know, that was something we were already good at. So why not become the best in the world? And so that was kind of the philosophy. And people just have, have accepted it so well. Uh, you know, we had a few hurdles we had to overcome. Of course, COVID was interesting. Uh, there was some talk about not having a contest. And, and the foundations, of course, were hurting at that time because people were not contributing a lot of uh, money as they usually did at district meetings because we weren't having them. 
so they were relying on on other forms of uh, donations at the time. So uh, President, international president at the time, Adrian Elcock and I met with the Optimist International by Zoom, Optimist International Foundation uh, president and the Ch- Canadian Children's Optimist uh, Foundation president and their uh, executive directors and said, what can we do to get continue this contest? Because young people need to still be able to have this type of thing. And the beauty is, is that from the beginning of the world championships, we've always had an option that you can communicate by live stream, uh, by Zoom or other me- means. Before COVID, it wasn't uh, so much Zoom, but since then it's been Zoom. Uh, and so we already had that in place. And so, as I think you know, uh, Diana Carlin and uh, and some others started holding Zoom training sessions on how to conduct a Zoom oratorical contest. And we were able to have a successful contest over uh, two days during covid and I called it uh, Optimus TV. Uh, some of our great members of the Optimus staff were able to pull together videos from our various programs, do interviews, whatever. So when you weren't hearing contestants speak, you were getting basically marketing on Optimus International and its program. So it ended up being a, a, a win-win. And I can't remember the number of hits we had. You could probably look back on YouTube and get a good feel for it. But I mean, we had thousands of people that were able to watch. And uh, so we've always been live streaming the regionals and world championships to allow optimists and family members and coaches uh, to watch. And our our hope now, we we have a dream, and I won't name where, but we are at least in some discussions about potentially having our contest televised at some point. So that's kind of our next goal. And I have to give a shout out to the Caribbean District because uh, they already have done that. They already broadcast their uh, oratorical contest. Talk about being a big feather in your cap if we could get that televised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would would be great for Optimist International. You just think of the intention that it would bring not only to the oratorical program, but to give to all of Optimist International and so uh, we're hopeful that we can get that done. And uh, we had a professional uh, videographer uh, at the contest this year, and uh, hopefully we can can get that done. Years ago, I don't know if uh, you knew this, but years ago, uh, ESPN televised at least one year, maybe more uh, highlights from our uh, the Optimist Junior World uh, Golf Tournament, International Golf Tournament. So. Uh, you know, I my thought is you always you always use the good to great. How can you make it better? And and so we haven't given up yet. Well, you know, we uh, we talk about the Junior Optimist Golf. We have you know some of the best golfers in the world that have won that tournament: Tiger Woods, you know, Phil Mickelson. Maybe who knows? We might have a future president talking in our Optimist Oratorical Contest moving forward. Well, I, I anticipate we do, and uh, I don't think we've had one yet, but uh, I anticipate that that we do. Now, there's a chance that we do, and I just don't know about it. But uh, uh, you know, I, I think we have the opportunity to have presidents of the United States, uh, prime ministers of Canada. Uh, prime ministers of uh, various countries uh, around the world uh, that would come up through these programs. And, you know, what I I really like, and as I said earlier, you know, I love the scholarships that we give. And I think that's fantastic. And that's really helped because we give significant enough uh, scholarships. It's hard not to catch uh, uh, speech and debate to coaches and parents' attention. But the real benefit is for the thousands of students that are participating at the club level, and that may be their introduction to public speaking. And it's important. I mean, even if you're sitting across the table 
from someone for a job interview, or you're trying to make a proposal for a business that you are involved with, uh, whatever you may be doing in life, you need to know how to organize your thoughts, to, to think about them, analyze them, and then articulate your position. And it's just fascinating if, if you haven't done it and anybody listening, go to, go to YouTube and listen to some of these speeches. Because sometimes when we're there at the contest, we get so wrapped up in getting everything run and, and whatever. But when you listen to the content of these speeches by these young people, we can learn so much from them. And, you know, they, they like to say, uh, and I say they, they like to say that uh, uh, young people are the, the leaders of tomorrow. And I say, no, that's wrong. Young people are the leaders today and we need to listen to them. You know, you were saying something uh talking about how, you know, you have to organize your thoughts, which kind of ties into the quote I've chosen of all the stuff we've talked about to finish up our podcast today, which is crazy because I don't know if you were reading my mind or you saw my computer screen beforehand, but, you know, when you said you organize your thoughts and all the stuff to write things down, all speech, written or spoken, is a dead language until it finds a willing and prepared Hearer. Again, yeah. it's so important to tell that optimist story because when people hear, they start paying attention. Exactly. So that's just crazy how what you uh, were saying tied into exactly what I wanted to finish with today. So Dave, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your research that you have done on the Optimist International program for us to help us let people know how this all started and where it, where it's going. We really, really appreciate you taking time out to share that story with us today. And Shane, we thank you so much for, for doing these podcasts. Uh, I think it's so important that we uh, spread the word around the world and that uh, you are helping us do that. And so I appreciate it. So stay optimistic. We would like to thank you for listening to the Choose Optimism podcast. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review and share with your family and friends to let them know what's going on in your community as well. And until next time, remember to choose optimism.